Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, February the 24th of 2021. And we would like to welcome all of our listeners, wherever you are tuning in. We thank you so much, as always, and we are honored that you would share this time as we discuss and study the Word of God. And uh, joining me today on the on the panel is Brother Fernando. And Brother Fernando, I, I was just thinking, because today we are going to be sharing a pre-recorded um, study we did. And um, we know what happened and what took place with the coronavirus hit our nation. And literally weeks after that or days after that, something happened, an incident took place that literally shook our nation. And I'm speaking about uh, what happened and took place after the death of George Floyd. And uh, Brother Marty, a few days later, uh, brought a, a word uh, to reflect on what took place. And Brother Fernando, so many things have transpired because that, that incident is an infamous day that we will never forget. It literally shook our right. nation. I mean, we were in the middle of a coronavirus and this elevated it. I mean, it took it to another level, Brother Fernando. And and so many things uh, have transpired, haven't they, since then? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, uh, it, it plunged our nation into further divide of the likes we haven't, we've never seen. And and what what began to happen after that, you know, one would never imagine, as we all sat and watched on the television, as the nation, um, as Brother Marty goes on to say in, in that Bible study, um, was on fire. You know, the major cities of America um, were 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 being looted and and destroyed before our very own eyes. And right. and obviously, what took place with George Floyd was, you know, I think everybody saw the video, right? It, it was it was, I mean, shocking, you know, yeah. to see uh, the death of a man, you know, at the hands of 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 those who are supposed to serve and protect us. And uh, the nation has been dealing with these social justice issues and, and many other uh, social issues uh, throughout the years and, and, and the wounds and, and the bruises were there and, and it ultimately just came to the forefront, right? And, and, and right. we saw the young generation, a young generation hit the streets and, and so forth and so on. And the fact of the matter is there's, there's, there's a cry that's going forth. And the truth is, uh, the word of God gives us answers to these matters. Um, mm. The prophet Isaiah said that the whole body is sick from the head right. down to the feet. You know, the, the, the wounds and bruises of our nation are, are, are over our society. And Isaiah literally blames the leadership for the cause of the direction that, that the nation of Israel was going. And the truth of the matter is, um, the reason our nation is the way it is today is because of the preachers, the leadership right. of this nation, the spiritual leadership of this nation, and those and those bruises and 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 those wounds have, as the uh, as Isaiah said, have turned into sores, into an infection, and that's really where we're at as a nation. Um, our nation is spiritually spiritually infected. Um, almost to the point of no return, I think. But I do believe, okay. you know, as, as as the Lord said to to the prophet Isaiah, 
to tell his people, he said, come, let us reason. You know, I think there is still time where the Lord wants to reason with us, irrespective of how we have fallen, uh, failed him and sinned against him. God in his, in his mercy and his love, he's still reaching out to us. So, you know, when you listen to this pre-recorded uh, Bible study, it, remember, keep in mind, uh, it's, it, you know, uh, the events were fresh as, as Brother Marty was uh, giving the Bible study. You can sense it uh, when, when uh, you know, he's giving the Bible study. And let us not forget, because that's right. the worst thing, Pastor Jeremy, that, that one can do at this particular time, because it feels like, you know, as things are beginning to open up, they're lifting up the you know, uh, the, the, the lockdown, so to speak. Um, the truth of the matter is we're in a worse condition. The church is in yeah. a worse condition. The spiritual leadership uh, 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 of this nation is in the worst condition it's ever been. Things have right. not gotten better, you know, and, and more the only, the, completely, completely divided. And the only thing, the only thing that can heal this nation that could, could bind those wounds, right, and, and cure that, that, that sore, that infection, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's right. The gospel of That's Jesus right. Christ. You know, uh, Brother Fernando, I, one of the things that I've noticed in the last year um, is that now, while we understand that racism is a, has been a problem in our nation, nobody negates that, but I think over the last year, what I see in our pulpits, and I don't know if you've seen it too, and I'm sure you have, is that preachers are now exclusively almost preaching weekly a social justice message. message. But I think mm -hmm. you hit it on the nail when, when you said, no, we must preach the gospel. And, and, right. and, and I, remember, you know, I remember having a sit down with my older son, and, and he asked me that, so do, is, so do you feel like now you have to teach, teach you know, my brothers and sisters about you know, racism? I said, not really, son. And I tell you why. I said, because when I grew up, the gospel taught me to love <laughs> unconditionally, whether you're black, white, you know, to have respect. That's what the gospel, yeah. that's what Christianity is about, you know. And I know that if I just teach them the word of God, these things, you know, of course, you, you, you educate them on um, things, on, on events and stuff. But above all, you teach them the word of God. And, and and I say all of this because I think we've now lost focus, especially in, in the Christian church. You know, many preachers have yeah. changed their message to a social justice message. But doesn't the gospel answer every single question? And that's what I've seen. I don't know what you've seen, and, and but I'm sure you have you have come across what I'm speaking about right now. Yeah, it's the temptation, you know, to uh, deal with the hot topics of of the of the culture um in you know in, in today's time i mean racism goes back to the beginning of time you know you, you can mm -hmm. <laughs> you can trace right. racism slavery um back to the beginning of time and and again these these are conditions of that that adam's fallen race uh deals with without jesus you know only jesus can deal with the issues and, and what ails mankind. Mankind's issue is sin. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse from our sin. What is the issue of this nation? 
uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 4 says, Ah, a sinful nation, a people laden mm. with iniquity. Notice what he says, wow. a seed of evildoers. We have a generation that's, that's growing up who does not know God. And right. all their thoughts are on evildoing. Children that are corruptors, right? They have forsaken the Lord. There it is. There lies yes. the answer. There lies, there, therein lies the problem. They have forsaken yes. the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. They are gone away backward. Right? Wow. He says, why should you be stricken anymore? Basically, the Lord says, why should I continue to chastise you and judge you? He says, the more I do, the more you will revolt, the more you will revolt. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint from the sole of the foot even unto the head. So we have a, 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 a nation that is sinful and, and laden with iniquity. Mm. So what we see is the symptoms of this sinful situation and position and nature that our nation is exhibiting. Yeah. And uh, again, the only answer for that is the gospel of Jesus Christ Amen. and only the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. That's powerful. You know, um, as you said that, you know, as you were reading, and, and I encourage the people, uh, read Isaiah 1, because I believe that's where Brother Marty's going to be coming from, right? The study we did from Isaiah 1. Yes. And uh, it, it's very powerful. Yet, I'm encouraged. And I say I'm encouraged. You know, yesterday's podcast, we were able to uh, to hear a Q&A, questions and answers. And I was blessed by the questions that were coming from these young generations telling us that there is also a remnant, a young generation that is seeking after God. Amen? And that, yeah. and that was very encouraging. If you haven't heard yesterday, check it out. And, and, the, and the questions that they ask are, are amazing. But as a whole, as a nation, the fact is that we are sick. Uh, and and, and, and as, you, as you mentioned, the, the whole head is sick and the whole heart is faint. And and that's where it lies. There lies the problem. We have forsaken the Lord, right? We have provoked the Holy One, and and that's so really what the what, whole heart. What the whole heart is faint, right? It, yes. Our nation is on life support. That's wow. What, you know that's that's what the prophet Isaiah was telling the nation. You know, you're on life support. Your heart's about to fail you, and. uh you know that's that's where we're at. That's what we are seeing, um, or what we saw this whole last year. You know, uh, it, it sums the decline, it all the demise, yeah, the demise of a nation. You know, because right. of their sinful, uh, their sinful ways. Absolutely. You know, so it, it, it's incredible. We're, we're seeing what's taking place, and, and since then, look at all the changes that have taken place. Look at all the things that have pa passed. Even you know the the laws that have been passed and 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 just the nature of everything you know and and um, now you know the church should be speaking up and have the answers and we've kind of just joined the world you know what I'm saying and saying we're going to speak on this and we've lost our way and the word of this hour is repent Jesus is coming again Amen so. Um, I don't know if there's anything else you want to say, Brother Fernando, but I, but I think uh, the people will be encouraged and, and take a moment to reflect, 
uh, on the things that have taken place over the year. Uh, remember, as you said, uh, when we when this Bible study was done with Brother Marty, it was literally a few days, so the wounds, everything was fresh, right? Uh, what, what we were feeling and what everybody was feeling. And But I think analyzing now a year after, uh, we have seen that it really has revealed the condition of our nation, above all, the condition of our preachers, of our pulpits. You know, meanwhile, keep praying for us. Uh, keep praying uh, for Brother Marty, for myself, for you, for Brother Fernando, and and uh, that the Lord will continue to give us an unction and an understanding of the days that we are living, that we may be able to uh, minister and tell others and 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 uh, sound the alarm in this hour. Amen. So we pray you are being blessed. Look forward to uh, being with you all tomorrow. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking week off uh, Memorial Day and hope you had a great time. Hope some of you hooked up to the the link that we shared from Dr. Peter Marshall, which I thought would have been a blessing to you. And uh, you can always look at it. It's in our archives and uh, you can look at it later. It's only like four minutes long or something like that, but I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, we're going to get right into some things today. Uh, we have a few things to cover. I won't keep you long, but I'm thanking you for joining us and uh, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day, for those that are gathered listening and those that shall listen later. We pray for them and their families at this time in our nation and around the world. We give you praise and thanks for your Holy Spirit and pray that you would open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to receive what you have for us today. And we bless your your people and those gathered in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen, amen. and amen. <clears throat> I'm going to begin by reading a scripture out of uh, the book of Isaiah. I'm coming to you from Isaiah chapter uh, 1, beginning with uh, verse 7. It says, Your country is desolate, and your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers, devour it in your presence. And it's desolate, as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion is left as a cottage in a vineyard, and as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, as a besieged city. Except the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom, and we would have been as Gomorrah. Some powerful words written by the prophet Isaiah, which we'll discuss in a second. But I want to talk to you today because I believe it was a <coughs> Memorial Day uh, when, a, when a young man by the name of uh, George Floyd in Minneapolis was, was tragically and, and brutally um, murdered by the very establishment 
and protective uh, police force uh, that should have been his protector, instead, in full view of everybody, uh, his life was taken. And and now we are reaping the the uh, the consequences of what happened that day. Uh, a pent up anger has occurred, and and I watched last night, because like, we're over on the on the west side of the country, and I was watching Los Angeles last night, and and uh, what they were doing there, and and I'm going to read some things I wrote today, so I hope it blesses you. Um, today, as the sun broke over the cities of our nation. Uh, with darkness giving way to light, the air uh, still lingered with the with the smell of the smoldering fires and the residue of the tear gas. Uh, it it remains in our cities, and after four consecutive nights of violent uh, protest, uh, America and her cities are are burning. I mean. <laughs> Think of what we're saying here. America and her cities are burning. And and, and so read the headlines in, in the morning papers in my uh, iPhone texts that I get from the different news agencies around, of, around the world. The headline was, America is burning from around the world. And the morning papers read, her cities are burning. And then the early morning pundits on television... You know, they utter their vain analysis and uh, their vain empathies. And from the highest places of power, even to the man on the street, uh, we are a nation divided and we are a nation without any answers. It's a nation divided against itself. And the Bible tells us that a nation divided against itself, it cannot stand. It's very hard... Uh, for me to speak because uh, I'm old enough to remember uh, nicer days. Not perfect days, but when we were good to each other. When we loved one another. But right now we're a nation sorry, uh, that's struggling to find its soul. And we've forgotten the lessons of, of history. Uh, the voices of, of our past, uh, they seem to become nothing more but echoes or whispers. And I was thinking this morning of a vibrant young president, John Kennedy, uh, who told us in, in his generation in 1961, the year that I was born, um, do not ask what your country can do for you, but what you can do uh, for your country. But what was his reward for seeking to end the Vietnam War and, and his attempt to pursue social justice? He was assassinated in Dallas, Texas in November 1963. I was there with my wife about a year ago in Dallas and saw where they had taken his life. And as I think of, of Brother Floyd this morning, I also think of, of, of a young civil rights activist from Mississippi. The Lord brought him to mind. Maybe some of you don't even know his name, but his name was Medgar Evers. He also fought against the injustice of a segregated South that treated the African-American community with such hypocrisy 
subjecting them to an unequal justice system, one system for white people, one system for people of color throughout the South, the early 60s, late 50s. Uh, Medgar Evers, uh, he called out for justice in a particular case that caught my attention this morning as I was thinking about it. His name was Emmett Teal. Uh, Brother Emmett was only 14 years old. He was an African-American boy who, who was lynched in 1955 uh, for the crime of simply talking to a, a white lady. And Medgar Evers stood up against this and many other things. But what was Mr. Evers' reward for standing for the truth, for trying to be a light? He was assassinated at his home. Just after midnight, he was shot in the back in Jackson, Mississippi. I've been there. I've preached there in Jackson, Mississippi. On June the 12th, 1967, his life was taken for standing up for what is right. His killer, Byron Della Beckwith, who was a white segregationist, uh, he wasn't even brought to justice for his crime until 31 years later when they could finally assemble a jury uh, that, that would be honest. 31 years later. Or what could we speak of of the great Dr. Martin Luther King, the, the Baptist preacher, um, the great voice of conscience of the 60s, uh, who said to our nation, darkness can never drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. His reward for standing up for truth? He was gunned down on a balcony of a hotel in Memphis, Tennessee in 1968 by a cowardly assassin by the name of James Earl Ray. See, I grew up in the 60s and I was thinking about these men today. And I thought about Bobby Kennedy, uh, who said something really profound. He said, uh, few will have greatness to bend history itself, but each one of us can work to change a small portion of events. And in the total of all those acts will be written the history of a generation. What was Bobby's reward? for standing up for truth and injustice in his time. Uh, he was assassinated in Los Angeles, California, 1968 at the Ambassador Hotel. For those of you who feel so isolated or, or maybe there's never been times like this, maybe you're just not old enough or you've never been taught about these things in school or whatever, but we have been a nation that has been progressively coming to the point that we see today. My uh, relatives uh, were in the Watts riots. I remember looking at horror with uh, my wife and children in, I believe it was 93, after an all-white jury in Simi Valley, California, acquitted the officers that had brutally beaten Rodney King. And it was as if the lid came off. And the, and the entire city of L.A. Uh, 
was was destroying and imploding upon itself. And 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 we've had isolated moments like this, whether it's uh, in Detroit, uh, where they had the the riots uh, back in the in the '60s, I believe it was, or, or or the Democratic National Convention of the of the late '60s. All of these turbulent times were 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 segregated to particular cities, but but last night the count was almost 30 cities across the United States burning stores being set on fire children uh, finding no hope in their own ability to simply voice their opinion and then giving way to an aggressive nature that that has uh, has caused us to be looked upon by the nations of the world and they look at what once was a beacon of light called the United States and they see her cities burning, her nation divided, and her preachers silent. But let's go back a little bit further today and just for a few moments in history because I want to look at a time when there was a prophet who spoke to his generation, like these young men that I quoted earlier from the 60s. He was moved by the inspiration of the God that he served, and his name was the prophet Isaiah, and, and that's what I read to you earlier. And he had pleaded with his generation to open their eyes and consider how deeply tragic their times had become. They, too, saw their cities burning. And in Isaiah chapter 1, verse through 5, if you have a Bible, you can read it, but, but he begins to point out some things uh, in verse 5, uh, that the nation, even if he says, why should you be stricken anymore? Why should we try to correct you? Why should the Spirit of God, because people say, where is God in all this? Well, we as a nation, and I'm speaking to the United States today, I know we sometimes have people that tune in from different parts of the world, but today I'm speaking to our nation, and I'm speaking to the churches within it. I'm not speaking to the children that are on the streets. I'm not speaking even to the violence that's being propagated by people who don't know any better. I'm speaking to those that are the responsible moral conscience of a society in a country that once was founded on good and solid Judeo-Christian principles. It was the same in Isaiah's day. The violence, uh, the, the deconstruction of a peaceful and just society to where the cities were being burned. And, and Isaiah said in verse 5, why, why should God come and try and correct you? He says the only thing that is going to happen is that you're going to end up revolting more and more. And the reason this is, he says, is from the top of your head, you're sick. The very positions of power is what he was referring to. The, the institutions of your society are sick. Oh my God. The very soul, the heart, is faint. It has no strength, no courage to rise above. It placates whatever voice is the loudest, but does absolutely nothing with, with any kind of constructive things that might be done. And, and he said, from the heart to the head to the foot, verse 6, he said, even to the sole of your foot, under the head, there's no soundness. There's no foundational structure anymore. It's as if, it's as if a sculptor has sat with a bare piece of granite and chipped away at it little by little. Uh, it, it's as if the very fabric of a country that had such potential that that once was the shining beacon, uh, uh, not perfect, but good and decent in at many levels, yet failing to ever 
truly dig in the in the undercurrent of what it pushed out of its vision for decades now and chose to look the other way. Isaiah talks about the wounds and the bruises and the infected sores. In, in verse 6, he says, from the sole of the feet, even to the head, there's no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores that have not been closed. That's what we're seeing in our streets today. We're seeing wounds of generations. We're seeing wounds and bruises of a culture that has become so myopic and so self-centered, all about me, myself, and I, and, and, and the next selfie I can take. I mean, even the word selfie, man. We, we need to start taking some Yuzis and, and leave the selfies behind, man. So he says, man, your wounds, your bruises have given way to an infection, a putrefying sore that hasn't been closed up. Because the only thing that's going to close up what we're seeing right now, and even as I came out here to do this little Instagram and, and talk with you all, is, is, is L.A. is just packed right now with thousands of people, more than we've seen to this point. Even under a lockdown and a curfew and the National Guard in 22 of our cities. This is something different and something very serious. He says you haven't been healed you haven't been bandaged. There's no closing of the wound. There's no bandaging of the cuts. There's no ointment or medication that can heal us right now. That is if we look to the systems of men that for tragically too long, including the institutions of our spirituality, have long ago failed in their once just and righteous existence. And then in verse 7, that's where he goes on and says, Your cities." have been burned with fire. But then he shifts and he quits dealing with the culture at large and he goes right to the source of the failure, describing them in many different ways, but he draws our attention to the church of his day, just like we must in our day when he says in verse 8, the daughter of Zion, is, she's left like a cottage in a vineyard, as a lodge in a garden of cucumbers, like a besieged city. What he was literally talking about there is that so... Uh, rare has become the true church, the true reflection of the gospel, the true reflection of the word of God in his time. When, the, when, when they should have been in, affecting the culture, they went and hid themselves behind their four walls. And so he describes it as a vineyard, like a cottage in the middle of a vineyard. And if you know anything about that, it's like ivy. He was literally saying that everything has grown up around you until it literally is surrounding you now. So what are you doing? Or a lodge in a garden of cucumbers. You've become a besieged nation. The fault lies squarely at the institution's of what should be the moral conscience of a nation. And unlike many nations of the, on the face of the earth, no other nation had had the light that we have had or the great uh, churches that once existed across this nation. It was Martin Luther King, a preacher, who called a nation back to righteousness. And we have forgotten our roots. And so the church has become ineffective and completely swallowed up as our cities burn. And I want to say something to you. While we watch our youth burn our cities and loot our stores, it's an all too convenient point 
to, to, to tr simply try and point the finger at them and blame them. It's them. Yesterday I heard government official after government official in all the different cities saying yesterday, uh, it, it's not our people, it's outsiders that are coming in and causing the problem. Outsiders. Well, that may be so as it pertains to geographic location, but really, I mean, really, where are they from? Germany? China? Russia? Maybe Mars. Maybe they came in from Mars. Maybe they're <laughs> alien hybrids. Seriously. They're outsiders? No. These are the children that are the mirror of our society, which the elders have left them to. And the truth is, we, the elders, the gray-haired folk, the adults, the people that have been in charge, we don't like what we see. And, and, and we're not brutally honest enough to admit to ourselves, this is the world of our making. And the children are simply reflecting what we made them. What we showed them, what we gave them, and what we took from them. And we don't want to see it. It's easier to pass blame on other people. It's easier to say it's their fault, it's your fault. But preacher, it's your fault. Now there's good preachers out there, there's good churches out there, I know. But where have you been? What have you been doing? So someone would say to me, is there any hope? <laughs> well, really, there's only one hope, right? It's not in our institutions of government. It's obvious. It's not in our vaunted universities uh, that we will find the solutions because they've implanted the minds of this generation that nothing matters anymore, that America sucks, that uh, religion sucks, everything sucks, right? So you give them no hope. And when it comes to life and the sacredness in the womb, we teach them that, yeah, that doesn't matter either. We, uh, we, we can just, you know, uh, violate the, the sanctity of life. And so we give them no sense of hope, no sense of vision, no sense of dream, no sense of truth or justice. We're not going to find it in our universities, in our Marxist-infected universities. And it's not in our economic establishment, which, which has robbed the poor and rewarded the 1%. And we can't look to them to restore pr prosperity or hope. And nor can its political slogans of transition to greatness. Seriously? The, the, these, these cotton candy slogans? Will we wrap ourselves in a false patriotism and cling to a scroll of the Constitution? while everything burns around us and we justify ourselves because we clothe ourselves in a pseudo-Judeo-Christian philosophy that we don't even apply to our own lives as, as a culture as a whole. And so we go on with the party and we divide ourselves and the wounds are deep. But really, like I said, it falls upon the churches and I'm not I'm not talking about the empty, slogan-filled community outreach facilities that we call churches. 
whose leaders speak in platitudes of emptiness and whose congregations have no clue in their privileged, air-conditioned, padded pew, carpeted facilities that they don't even know the Lord that they claim to serve. I'm talking to the real churches, uh, referring to the churches who know the presence of the Lord. You who have truly been saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. You who know the real gospel of Jesus Christ and who can rise like the voices of our past once did and become the conscience of a dying nation, man. A nation who has long ago forgotten that it was and it is a, a Judeo-Christian society. It was founded on that. That's what once made us great. I didn't say perfect. Because this... This land of ours, made up of every tribe, of every tongue, of every creed, of every religion, was a gift that was given to humanity by Almighty God Himself. It was an, an experiment entrusted to every generation to carry forth the hope and the dream and the light of a better society, of a better people, of a better world. Not perfect, but great. A nation that was the beacon of all others and its churches once was, was that city, that light on a hill. I want to leave you with these thoughts. I want to leave you with the words of the Lord Jesus Christ in, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He said this, he said, he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor, all of you that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek. I am lonely in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Brother George, George Floyd, he, he lost his life in a most brutal and public way at the hands of evil and corrupt men on the streets of Minneapolis, Minnesota. And it is right to stand up. And it is right to protest such madness and injustice. Every life is precious. But I also want to remind us that our Lord Jesus Christ is not indifferent to our times. He knows them very well. Remember, it was the Lord Jesus himself. He too was unlawfully detained. He too had no one to defend him. <laughs> he too. He too was put to death. In, in a full and cruel public display. He knows the pain. And he knows the loneliness of death without comfort. But let us, if we can, look in these times that we're finding right now in our country to his example. I'm sorry. Because it was from his cruel cross on Calvary's wind-swept lonely hill 
that he cried out to his father, forgive them. Forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing. His response was love. And the power of that love wrote the next chapter, the final chapter, because it was on the third day. It was his resurrection. And because of it, the final day has been written. And all the cruelty and all the death and all the injustice, it will come to an end. Because our king and his government is righteous and true, full of mercy and verity and justice. And that day, which is going to be soon, you mark my words, he's coming soon. And it, it's going to be a day of never-ending joy, man, where every tear will be wiped away and every broken heart will be healed. Truth, justice, equity, it will rain down like the showers of spring which heal the cold, dark winter of this world in these times. So I just say to us all, right, turn to the Lord while we still can. And to the church I say, be the church. Be the light of the world. Preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because we need it now. Oh, we need it now more than ever. Be safe out there. Hug your children. Love one another. In Jesus' name, we'll see you next time. God bless you all. Amen.